0: Welcome to Life Concierge. Allow me to introduce you to people you can relate to, learn from, and connect with through conversations that are fun, but grounded in truth, growth, and perspective. I'm your host and concierge, Sarah Heider. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I want to start with a disclaimer for this episode um, that it is definitely not just for pageant fans. Heather's story is one that will inspire you to chase your dreams, even if it takes you six tries. And she also was super generous in being open and sharing her perspective as a biracial woman. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Heather Wells Barrett. Uh, After six years of perseverance, Heather captured the title of Miss Ohio 2013. In the same year that she won the job of Miss Ohio, she also won grand talent, finalist interview, a preliminary swimsuit award, not to mention a ton of scholarship dollars, and the opportunity to compete at Miss America. A native of Warren, Ohio, and formerly a competitive dancer for more than a decade, and if you've seen this girl, you know she can move, Heather remains heavily involved in the arts and graduated from Kent State University. Heather shares that growing up in a non-traditional household, along with being the daughter of a single Black mom, adversity was her catalyst for drive and passion in everyday life. This is why Heather continues to work with her platform, Divorce Recovery for Youth, helping children to better understand parents' divorce so they can learn to grow through tough situations. A lover of movement, Heather continues to stay active each day through avid running and cycling. You can catch her on any running trail in Columbus or teaching spinning classes at Cycle Bar Easton. And during the day, she works in talent acquisition for Bath and Body Works. The Miss Ohio program not only led her to professional success, but also to her husband, Zach, who is the brother of her Miss Ohio roommate, Kelsey. Kelsey. Zach and Heather love doing life together with their two fur babies Kunu and Shredder and Shredder is just like the best cat name ever I have to throw that out there. As you'll hear on this episode, I've known Heather since I was about 10 or 11 years old, and we are Miss Ohio sisters, but on this episode of Life Concierge, we talk about a few things we've honestly never really talked about before. We share our opinions on the infamous swimsuit competition and what that means for today's woman, how we'd like to see the Miss Ohio and the Miss America organizations evolve, and Heather shares her story of being Miss Ohio through her lens as as a biracial woman. I know this episode will definitely get you thinking. I hope you learn something and enjoy our conversation. And let us know what you think of the episode by sharing it on Instagram and using the hashtag #LifeConciergePodcast. podcast. Here we go. Heather, I have to start by asking, do you remember the first time that we met?
1: Oh, man, we go way back. And I'll be honest, I don't know if I remember the very first time we met. Was it at,
0: like, a pageant? It was. It was at one of our childhood pageants. I think I would have probably been, like, 11. And I just remember you making me laugh. And I think it's so incredible and speaks to the sisterhood of pageantry that here we are uh, many years later. I won't date us too much. Uh, and you're still here making me laugh. And we're still great friends. I remember seeing you
1: at speech tournaments, Oh yeah, when we would link up and you'd come over and give me a hug and say hi. And
0: you were in prose poetry. I was in original oratory. Were you drama? I did duo for
1: years. And then my senior year, um, my speech coach was like, you need to do drama. And I was like, drama? I'm funny. And like I did duo and duo can be either humorous or dramatic. Mm -hmm. And we usually would do funny things in duo. And my Mm -hmm. duo partner, we were both like very goofy. And he's like, you'd be great for drama. And everybody was like, Heather's doing drama, but
0: she's a goofball. And then I had a really good senior year. I just love that we were both speech and debate gals at the same time that we were putting on heels and gowns and competing in pageants. And I think that just speaks to the complexity of pageant contestants that people don't always quite see or understand. So let's dig in to your pageant journey. It's a long one. So start at the beginning.
1: Yeah. So pageantry was it, it was a unique start for me so going back to even further my my mom when I was two three years old my mom had gone back to college so she was a student at Youngstown State I'm you know a real small toddler and in the early 90s there were no Instagram influencers there was no social media there were magazines there were mall fashion shows, and that's how people learned about what was going to be trending, what was gonna be the big look for that year. So mall fashion shows were like a thing and they were very popular. So my mom, had been modeling in mall fashion shows. It was either like back to school or bridal shows typically. And um, sure enough, there was a bridal show she was in. So I was there to watch her. And they have to model these dresses from these bridal stores. Um, and they have to model uh, uh, flower girl dresses. Well, sure enough, the flower girl for that fashion show had a high fever and had to go home. And this woman had to show this dress. And so I'm there to see my mom. I'm like three years old, bebopping in the front, by the stage and she comes up to me and my mom and I really don't look alike so she has no idea that I'm my mom's daughter and she's like you like you look like you have a lot of energy like why don't you put this dress on and come model for me in this fashion show so sure enough I did it and I was a I apparently was a good listener and did very well so um, I started doing mall fashion shows and I did I mean, probably like 80 fashion shows a year and we would go to malls all over Ohio and I would do it with my mom. So it was a lot of fun and it was like no pressure, very amateur. We weren't paid. It was just really for fun. So I was super comfortable being on stage and modeling. And so my mom, she had done pageants herself growing up. So she was already kind of like, I wonder how Heather would do in a pageant. So I never did a pageant until I was about three years old. And I'd already had a ton of experience modeling and these like little shows. So my mom uh, put me in the tiny Miss Canfield Fair pageant. And there was like 50 girls, we're all three and four. Like, how do you judge three and four-year-old girls, like the cutest age of all time? So because I'd had all this, I think, modeling experience, I knew like, you know, pageant feet and I knew I'd do a turn. And I wasn't used to looking at judges, but I was used to looking at the audience. And I won, and um, I I thought it was just a fashion show. So when they handed me a trophy, I was like, this is a pageant? I thought it was a fashion show. So we started doing the county fair circuit, as I like to call it, or the mall circuit. So... Any pageant that came to our local mall, uh, we did. We did the you know Canfield Fair pageant, Trumbull County Fair pageant, and so that was kind of like my thing. And then because I got into competitive dance at about five or six years old, I was just always dancing in the car, always dancing to music. After a couple of years of competitive dance, and I'm still doing these little fashion shows, I was just really comfortable on stage. And I also started doing like little theater like you, I'm an only child. So Mm -hmm. I had plenty of time for my parents to, you know, invest in taking me little places like that. So, um, it kind of evolved into me competing in pageants that had talent because I just wanted to go and win a talent award. Um, dance, if you've seen dance moms, it's a lot like that. And there's a lot of competitiveness, around how much money you have. And the more time you can give to the dance teacher, the more money you can give to the dance teacher, the more one-on-one time you get with that teacher, the more development you get. And that wasn't always me. So my mom thought that pageants would give me my own little confidence. Like if I could go to a pageant and win a talent award, Um, it wouldn't be so bad when you know I wasn't getting the special part of the dance studio because my mom wasn't taking the dance teacher out for manis and petties and wine in the middle of the day because my mom had a job so um, a lot of the moms were stay-at-home moms and my mom wasn't so I didn't get the same treatment so pageants became this like outlet for me it was kind of like my thing that I did and it it allowed me to um, enjoy some of those aspects and I probably did those little local pageants, did little things um, really up until about middle school, I think. And then middle school, school activities kind of start to take over. So I played sports. I Cheerleading was really big um, for me. And then in high school, I found speech and debate. And, you know, during this time, I'm still doing the county fair pageant every year for fun. Uh, but it wasn't until my senior year that I met Melanie Murphy, now Melanie Murphy Miller, at an appearance, Um, it was uh, honoring kids in Trumbull County that were, um, you know, had good grades, but also were very active in their community. So um, with community service and things like that. So I was this like, nominated for like future stars of tomorrow of some sort. And it's like 20 kids in the area, they get like a little banquet dinner, and there's a guest speaker. And it was my senior year. And she was the one that was like, Um, Oh my gosh, you're old enough to compete in a local. You need to go on our website and sign up for one. And sure enough, I did. And then that very first local I did was Miss Greater Dayton. I think I came in last place. It was all wrong. Like I wore a swimsuit from Target, like had a skirt on it. Like that was wrong. I wore like my homecoming dress from my freshman year of high school. Had like a corset that you tie up the back and it wasn't good. And afterward, the judges were just like, oh God.
0: (laughs) So much nostalgia in that story. Thank you for taking me down memory lane a little bit, too, and making me think about some of my first pageants and interactions with the Miss Ohio program. I love hearing how you got your start. Um, And it sounds like from the beginning, you really had this ambition and perseverance, which is something I know I've personally always admired about you. I know as your journey with the Miss Ohio program really took off, you went through what a lot of people go through, the highs and lows of pageantry. Tell us about your ups and downs and what kept you going. Yeah.
1: So, you know, the first year you go, it's kind of like figuring it out. Um, you, you don't know what to expect. And my first year it just so happened to be one of those years where there was like six or seven girls all aging out so um it was it was definitely honestly the most tense year i've ever competed not that people were like mean per se it was just like it was their last shot and they wanted it like bad so there was this level of like a lot of tense uncomfortability that year again i didn't know what i was doing like the stage you don't realize you know, where you exit, where you enter. Um, If you're a dancer, it's really not that great of a stage to dance on because it's sticky from all the paint. So that was a learning for me. And just the little things like that, I felt like a fish out of water. I had no idea. But at the end of the week experience, I was taking away things that i like, okay, I have things I can work on, things I can do different. So I wanted to come back the next year and just really, you know, make the improvements that I thought I could make uh I had a hard time winning a local I was like first one up in every local I did and then my like fifth local which was sweeps I I won which was nice so I um went on to Miss Ohio for a second time and that was the year I made top 10 I was like yes I'm on my way my little improvements have worked I'm feeling really good so coming off that year the like the very like first or second local I do was Miss Mansfield and I win here I am. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I won this really tough local. I won on my like first try on like last year, it took me five tries to win a local and I'm feeling super confident. And so go to Miss Ohio. I have like, probably, I feel like my best interview I've had and like, I loved my dance. My talent goes well, like everything's going good. And I really thought I had a shot at swimsuit. And I also thought I had a shot at talent. And when I didn't win either of those preliminaries, I was like, man, maybe the judges like don't notice me. I was like, well, I'll still make top 10 though. And um, I did not make top 10. And I was just, I I think I felt mostly, I don't know, just like embarrassed that like I had taken a step forward and I'm taking a step back. It's my year three at this point. Most girls win Miss Ohio on their second or third year actually. And if you look at the history, most girls don't win after their third try. It's like, okay, pack it up and head on out. You've tried three times. Now it's not happening. And I thought I was, I was gunning for top five and I didn't even make top 10. So I was pretty heartbroken. Um, but, you know, didn't feel like it was going to stop me. So I was like, okay, I need you do something different. Let me try, you know, uh, a different kind of dance routine or let me try a different kind of evening gown, things like that. So um, I, I, you know, continue to uh, come back and, and reinvent myself. I, and I won like swimsuit talent and interview at my local. And I had never done that before. So I was like, wow, like I feel like I'm doing better at the local level. And now let's just take this to Miss Ohio. So my fourth year competing, I do make top 10. And I was just so happy to make the top 10 that I really didn't, I was like, yes, this is just what I wanted. After a year of not making top 10, I didn't make the top five, um, but I was just so happy to make top 10 and be back on track and like kind of shake the funk off that I was like, okay, year five, that'll be my year. So sure enough, come back, all the same things, you know, continuing to, you know, maybe invest in that evening gown. And again, like it's taken me this amount of time to kind of build up the wardrobe and accrue the right shoes and the right this or the right that. And, um, you know, now I feel like I finally have like the evening gowns and I have the, the talent outfits and I figured out like competitive dance is so different than pageant dance. Competitive dance is about tricks and doing things that are very technical and difficult. And I would do that at Miss Ohio and the judges were like, I don't know what you're doing is hard. You make it look easy. So it must be easy. And I realized that they don't care about the tricks, they want connection. So um, that fifth year, it was kind of, uh, this was the only year I really felt discouraged. After all those times of trying, I really didn't wanna come back in my last year of eligibility. I thought it would be too much pressure. I thought it would crack. I thought I wouldn't be able to handle it. So I always said I would never compete that last year because I just didn't want the heartbreak of going for it and it not happening. So that fifth year, when I made the top ten, I was like, okay, like we're on our way. It was the first time I had won a preliminary after five years. I finally won a swimsuit preliminary, um, and I was feeling really, really good. And um, they announce, you know, the fourth, third, second, first runner-up. None of them are me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like did I just win? And I'm feeling really good. And then they announce the winner, and it is not me. So that only that not only means I did not win. But it also means I did not make the top five, but I still felt like, what am I missing? Like, what am I doing wrong? That's not connecting. And so I was always like a high energy jazz dancer. I'm just a high energy person. And I thought that really showcased my personality, but I kind of went back to my speech. Like I'm always funny. I'm always a goofball. But when I was most successful in speech and debate is when I slowed it down and I got really serious and, I think in my interview, you see my bubbliness, you know, that comes across. We all interview differently. Um, But my personality was, you know, kind of goofy and silly, and I make the judges laugh. And so I think um, it was important that I showcase my serious side on stage, where I always thought it was more important to showcase my goofy side or my fun side. And so I thought, you know, it's my last year what the heck, why not? I'm going to do a lyrical dance. And so I made up this dance in my living room. I remember like pushing like the coffee table aside and, and there's like this one part of the dance that I couldn't figure out what I wanted to put there. And I was like, Oh, like I got it. Like, I just had an epiphany and like writing down my choreography. And I'm like, this just feels really right. And I feel like this is going to be so different than what I've done before. So, um, you know, I had, I'd worked on improvements all those years, like editing my platform to be more reflective of my personal, um, you know, trials and struggles and, and kind of working on, you know, again, building out the wardrobe. I I can't tell you how many times a judge has told me, oh, you would have won, but I didn't like your evening gown. And I'm like, excuse me. That's the only thing I can fix with a check. Like, and it's like, I just, this is all I can afford. Sorry, this is Dillard's, but this is what I got, you know? So, um, it was over, you know, years and, and, um, saving up and, you know, using my own money that I was working for to like buy my dresses. And so my last year coming into it, while I thought I would be super nervous and on edge, um, I was actually exactly the opposite. I thought, you know, I'd be so mad at myself if I look back 20 years from now, I had one more shot and I didn't even try. So I was like, let me give it a good, honest try and just see what happens. And it was kind of like, I honestly had nothing to lose. At first I thought I had all this to lose, but I was like, I actually have nothing to lose. Like I've never made top five, five years of competing, no top five. I've only ever won one preliminary award. Um, I've you know, accrued tons of scholarship money over these years though. Like Every time I I placed or won this or won that or at a local, I was winning scholarship money. So I was like, you know what? If nothing else, let me go back and just win whatever money I can get and just move on. And so um, I think having that approach of just let's give it one more shot really helped me. And then next thing I knew, um, it was swimsuit night and I had a tough swimsuit flight and I won swimsuit. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I won my talent flight and it was like, whoa. And. And then I, um, it was, you know, again, the year before I I didn't know if I had made top five or not. So they were, um, you know, they were calling from 10 again. So there was no top five. So I was in the top 10, but I didn't know if I was in top five. And then they announced like overall interview winner. And I won that too. And I was like, whoa, maybe the judges really liked me. So at this point I'd won overall talent interview and swimsuit, but I had such a heartbreak the year before, I wasn't sure if I'd won Miss Ohio. So sure enough, um, they called all the runner ups. I'm like, okay, like this could happen, but I was burnt so bad that previous year. I really was like, I can't let myself think I've won again because that was pretty hard to, pretty hard heartbreak. And then um, they announced me as, you know, as Miss Ohio. And uh, you would have think after six years of competing, I would have been like prepared for a reaction. Like I would have practiced in the mirror. I would have had like a uh, something and I had nothing. Like I just looked <laughs> like completely blank. And I was like, is this real? Is this happening? And she's like, yeah, it's you. And I was just like, this is a dream. This can't be real. And so it was definitely um, a nice way to round out six years of trying and, and going for it. Um, but I have to say that if I had one and that like first or second year, I wouldn't have met the people I met. I wouldn't have had the relationships by the time you compete that long, you know, everybody backstage. And I was also able to win all that scholarship money. If I'd won early, I wouldn't have had all those years to rake it up and accrue a little more. So at the end of the day, it was exactly the way I would have wanted it. And Um, Since then, we've had other girls who've won on their fifth try or they're, you know, they they are persevered. And I'd like to think that, um, you know, all the times people told me to give it up, hang it up, never come back. Just because maybe you have a year where you make top 10 and the next year you don't or your top five and then you don't even make anything or what have you. Look, it's subjective. Mm -hmm. I know we always say this in pageantry, but Different day, different judges, different winner. It doesn't take away anything from your value or your worth or who you are as a person. Um, but it it was definitely a wild ride, and um, it was the best. It was the best year ever. I six years of competing, you kind of hold this idea of what it might be like to be Miss Ohio, and I was like, oh god, after all this, I hope I'm not disappointed. And and I was not. I was very. I, I had a really happy year um and it was it was good times it really was it was it was worth it in the end for
0: sure well i think you have definitely inspired people um as most anything that is competitive pageantry is a major mental game and i think a lot of times you get in your head and you think that there's some sort of magic formula to win or you can't win because of this or that but really, it's all stories you make up in your head, so you just have to go in with a clear mind, take one day, one one competition at a time, and stay focused on you and what you're doing which is, of course, um, easier said than done, but also a huge part of why I took a few years off from competing and came back my last year of eligibility. So I relate to that sentiment as well of feeling this pressure, yet also the regret of not competing would have weighed far more heavily on me the rest of my life if I hadn't at least tried. And I know you feel the same way. Um, I want to talk about the pageant in today's world. It's been a few years since we were on the stage, um, and a lot has changed, including the elimination of swimsuit competition. As some of you, as someone who always did well in this part of the competition, if you knew Heather was at a pageant, you knew she'd walk away with a swimsuit award. So, as someone who always succeeded in this part of the pageant, what do you think about the change? I know. It's controversial in the pageant world, but I personally think that it makes competing more appealing and maybe even more accessible for girls. But I want to know what you think. I do
1: agree. I think it's more inclusive. Like I have to say, I personally love to swimsuit. But yeah, I've always been thin. I've always uh, been super active. Like I said, I've been a dancer since I was three. So I was like three and had like abs. And um, it's just been natural for me. That's not everybody's path. Our bodies are all so different. Uh, You and I could eat the same exact things and do the same exact activities for the rest of our lives and our bodies would look totally different. And that's the reality of it. And we need to be more inclusive. And, you know, now um, after all of our eyes have been opened with the Me Too movement, I start to think about, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't realize how many women have experienced sexual assault on some level. Maybe we were excluding very talented, beautiful women that were like, I do not want to be half naked on stage. I am a survivor. And that resonates with me as well. And it is more inclusive to eliminate the swimsuit. Personally, being now that I'm a fitness instructor, I'd love to see just some element of fitness, you know, as well as I do, when you're on the road for a whole year, you have to still have the stamina to take care of yourself. It's not even about like your physical looks. It's about your physical stamina. There were days where, I'd have an appearance from sunup to sundown, have to drive six hours across Ohio and have another appearance at 6am on the news the next day. And, um, that's like where I'm like, wow, I'm really glad that I have energy because I would never be able to do this if I didn't. So I would love to see some element of fitness. I think we need to be more inclusive and I don't think you need a swimsuit to be able to tell that someone's fit. And I also, um, I don't think it should be so impactful. Like while the swimsuit was always only 10% of a contestant score, it has more of an impression than you think. So um, I think we also need to get away from just the sexualization of, pageant women. These are women that are going to be CEOs. They're going to be directors of nonprofits. They're going to be making decisions as a doctor, like my sister-in-law, or they're going to be our lawyers, our litigators. So um, we don't need to see them in a swimsuit to determine if they're fit to be a great leader, because that's not the case. I, I do think that getting rid of the swimsuit portion makes us more inclusive. And when we talk about inclusivity, um, that's what I want to see. I wanna see um more uh, a casting a wider net gives us more diversity too. Mm-hmm. And um when you have those those gals who maybe haven't always been the perfect weight uh according to society standards, um now all of a sudden they have a chance to be Miss America because we've eliminated this portion that carried way too much weight anyway I think it's great so while as a fitness lover of fitness I'd love to see a little bit of an element uh, of that brought back in some way but swimsuit no doesn't need to be a swimsuit at the end of the day I love the TED talk like the direction the program's gone because that is more um it's more now I mean TED talks are such a big part of what I enjoy in my spare time too. So I love that. Um, I also really enjoy the aspect that we've emphasized a little bit more on the platform because that is actually what you're doing for your year. You are working with your platform. You're working with the platform of the organization with you know, with children um, when it's all about swimsuit and how much you spend on your evening gown, well, you're going to pick a winner that's not going to enjoy her year very much. I I think it's overall a a really good thing to see that be revamped um, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, Miss America is a leader and she doesn't have to be some negative size zero to be mm-hmm. a great Miss America. And I do think it was creating more unhealthy habits for women than it was
0: positive. You've really been on both sides of the coin. So I really appreciate your perspective. I I know for me, I was never a huge fan of the swimsuit portion of the competition. Um, I don't think that that's any secret. I And I know it might not be perfect yet, but you brought up the addition of the TED Talk, which is where the girls get to talk about their social impact initiative in an abbreviated version of a TED Talk. As someone who loves public speaking, I personally wish I would have had the chance to do this in the competition. Uh, But the first year and the only year because of No Miss America this last year uh, because of covid The first year that the TED Talk happened, a lot of people in the pageant world were not happy about it. I remember I was on Facebook the next day and someone made a comment about how the TED Talk was boring and they would rather see girls in a swimsuit. Um, And to me, it was just so baffling because that's not at all my way of thinking. And I kind of thought maybe you need to think about what you just said and what that says about the way that you think that seeing girls half naked on stage, instead of watching them speak about something that actually impacts their lives and actually impacts your lives as an audience, that that's less exciting. I, that's just really hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, And I know some people feel very empowered by the swimsuit competition and I, I'm not sure I can relate to that, but I don't want to take away or diminish any awards or joy that the swimsuit competition that has has brought any contestants. But I have to say from my personal experience that my last year at Miss Ohio, I went in, I knew I wasn't a size zero. I knew I wasn't necessarily the perfect ideal pageant body. Um, But kind of used that to my advantage and was like, hey, here I am. I feel empowered in this moment to say, hey, like you don't have to be a size zero to to be Miss Ohio. And then when I won, I thought, wow, like I really accomplished that. I really overcame that. And then the next morning I had a meeting where the directors and I go over some of the comments from the judges and go over some suggestions and things to start preparing for Miss America. And I'm sure there were many other comments, but the one that always sticks out in my mind is that they wanted me to wear a one piece at Miss America. And At that moment, I completely felt my power stripped away from me. And
1: you said something that really resonated with me when you mentioned that, you know, that comment on Facebook about, oh, this was so much more exciting. And this is another opportunity that the Miss America organization has to make an impact on the way we view women as a society here in the United States. I mean, I think the Miss America organization, it's it's celebrating its 99th or 100th year of the of the program. So with that being said, we've had 100 years of how the organization has shaped the way the country has viewed women, essentially. And uh, for a long time, this was the only opportunity women had to like, publicly speak, uh, to have an opinion, to be on stage, to showcase a talent or an ability, This was what they did. They don't need Miss America anymore to do what they want to do. This is a chance for us to help create a place for women who want to find success in this way. And to say, hey, listen, like you have to see us as more than just a piece of meat. You have to listen to us talk about our TED talk. And like, if you don't find that exciting, well, that's probably shame on us for putting so much emphasis on this portion of the competition. That's only worth 10% of your score. Yeah. But why is it the most exciting? Because, you know, we're impressed by things that are simple and some simple. It's, it's seeing all of you uh, and they can make their judgments that way. But when I have to sit and listen to someone, I have to use my brain to make, an assessment or a judgment. I can't just use my eyes and go, Oh, pretty. Oh no. Oh, skinny. Oh God. (laughs) Like this is, it requires more. And Mm -hmm. that's what we want as women. We want more. We want real, we want your real focus and attention. We don't want you to just see us as somebody that you would be interested in dating. Like we want you to see us as a professional partner, as -hmm. someone that is a a thought partner, a a work partner, uh, a life partner. And I think there's a lot of work to be done. I'd love to see the Miss America organization open up even more diversity and inclusion. Why can't you have been married and be Miss America? Why
0: do you have to be born a woman to be Miss America? I would be curious to see us become more progressive. Definitely. And I know we've both said this off the record that we don't necessarily have all the answers um, but we are glad that if swimsuit is important to someone and that maybe they are trying to be a model or that's their journey that they do have options because now there are other pageant systems with that option so I think it's just positive that there are even options for women um, who want to compete and be able to compete how they feel best
1: yeah I'm glad to see progress being made and yeah we speak about diversity and inclusion, I also think about, you know, our history of winners and contestants seems to only be one type of person or a few types of people. I'd love to see the program branch out and have a little bit, I don't know if it's more of a a recruitment process. There needs to be some kind of process to garnering attention. It used to be that The program was so popular in and of itself. We didn't have to worry about it, but it's, it's 2020. Now there's a million different avenues. If you are a singer, a dancer, or just want to be famous, there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, Mm -hmm. heck, your Instagram could make you very famous. You don't even need to leave your house. So TikTok, I don't know. (laughs) There's so many things. The Miss America organization needs to establish a way to stand out and to attract a diverse pool of candidates. Um, so the year that I went to Miss America, it was the most diverse contestant group ever, maybe even still to this day, more than half the girls were diverse, more oh. than half. And if that says anything, um, I'm not surprised that for the first time, we had an Indian American woman become Miss America And I have to say, man, she received a lot of nasty hate from the people in this country the day after she won. And it was so cool because all of the girls at Miss America, at least my year, were truly wonderful. I I was blown away. I did not expect them to be so kind, so fun, so amazing. But the day after it was over and Nina won and people were just brutal on Twitter, like, this is Miss America. Like, you know, well, what do you think? Like, she was born in New York. Like, what's the problem? Uh, but we all came together. We're like, we are standing up and standing by our girl. Like, these people need to back down. And Nina handled it with such class, such grace, such elegance. Never for one second was she bothered by the haters. And mm-hmm. uh, I was super proud of her. And to this day, she is one of those Miss Americas that continues her work. Um, Just, I mean, you'd think she was still Miss America the way she's still working that platform. So they definitely picked the right one. Uh, It was just such a great experience to see so many diverse women competing and also um, such a diverse winner. And also our top five was extremely Mm -hmm. diverse too. So everything. And I think it comes from having a diverse panel of judges, having um, diversity in your previous winners you have to have representation. People aren't going to want to compete if they don't think they can ever win. And I'll tell you what, after Nina won, so many little girls were so excited to to say, wow, I can be Miss America too. And Mm -hmm. you see someone that looks like you win. And it was just really empowering, really special moment. And I was really happy to be class of 2014 for sure. So that was, um, definitely the cherry on top to a really cool experience as Miss Ohio, but I'd like to see even more. I think they're progressing and working in that direction. But, you know, when we look at Ohio, um, Marlia Fontaine and I have been the only two black Miss Ohio's in the last 20 years, 20 years. And it's only been two. And to be honest, like, do I count? (laughs) I'm like, my complexion is so fair. I'm biracial. I know that I'm white passing. Um, so when I was making appearances for that year, I don't think people even knew that I was a diverse winner. Um, and that's what diversity looks like. It comes in a lot of forms and, and sometimes it's hard to know if someone's diverse. I work mm-hmm. in talent acquisition now and DEI and uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is the number one focus for the TA team for the Bath and Body Works because we are extremely passionate about Um, these things that are so important to our society and we want to have the right representation and what we've realized is that during these um, conversations we have if there isn't representation in the leadership the those that are diverse won't even feel that they could be successful. So, um, I, I love that Miss America has taken that direction and I'd like to see Miss Ohio do the same as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts with branching out. I think Ohio has like 11 HBCUs that's historically black colleges and universities. Why don't we do recruitment there? Um, I know Marlee and I would be down to go and, and garner up some passion for the program. And I think, um, again, you look at the the monetary cost that pageants can mm-hmm. weigh on people, uh, especially when you're trying to pay for college. So I, I think there's still some work to be done, but um, I'd like to see more outreach and more programs that encourage women um, of all shapes, sizes, whether it's physical disabilities or anything, just to, to have more. Um, and again, more diversity just means more experiences that are going to be brought to the table and that people can talk about. And I do think it's important to have a diverse panel of judges. Um, in fact, the year I won, it was like three white dudes and two white ladies, and they were lovely. They picked me to win. I'm so happy. But like, uh, you need, de- and at, at, at Miss America, the panel of judges was so diverse. That's but it was very refreshing for me. And that was Mm -hmm. seven years ago. So, you know, I think they've been making more and more progress ever since, but um, I think that's where we need to start. If we want to expand our numbers, if we want to be 11 again, 11 million people in the state of Ohio, Mm -hmm. we should have 50 girls competing. We need to recruit. We need to source the right people and have the representation and have the diversity on the judges panel too. It, It starts, Again, from the top, but uh, I think now it's time for Ohio to step up too.
0: I think you and I can both credit, uh, I know we both credit the Miss Ohio and Miss America organizations for helping us become who we are today, and we want to see the organizations flourish so that even more people can have those same experiences and make those amazing memories um, that we have. So we really want the best for the organization. I want to talk about an experience you and I had lately, um, recently, outside of the pageant world. We are friends in real life, and we were at a local restaurant in a really long line on a crowded Sunday, morning brunch, trying to socially distance. Um, I was in line when you arrived already, so since we were eating together, I let you jump in line with me. That only makes sense, right? Um, And there was a woman behind us who was very irritated by this, and I heard her say to her friend that was in line with her... She said, oh, these basic white girls in front of us are so annoying and they're cutting us. And to be honest, in the moment, I I didn't know what to say or what to do. I was, first of all, thrown off by the rude comment. And then secondly, that um, this kind of was like a comment about race in a weird way. And I didn't know how you received that or what I should say.
1: Yeah. So. I should start off by saying it's really i have an extremely unique experience because uh you know i was born and raised in a predominantly white town Um, my mom and dad got married when i when i was little my mom and dad got married when she was like 19 and then a couple years later i was born and my parents got divorced when i was little and so um, my dad wasn't around it was just my mom and my grandma so to be very clear I was, I'm biracial, but I was raised specifically by my black mother and my black grandmother. So while I'm white passing, for the first 18 years of my life, you go everywhere with your mom because you're a child. So it was very evident that I was biracial. So people in my town knew I was black um, or they would be just very confused (laughs) because, you know, again, I am born in 1989. Um, I don't know a lot of biracial people my age there's plenty of biracial people my age. But today, you can walk in a classroom, there's so many biracial children. And it's like, really exciting to see um, how things have changed. But so I was I am white passing because of my complexion. But I very well grew up with um, the the stigmas, I saw the racism firsthand. So I know there's all kinds of biracial people. There's some biracial kids that have a black and a white parent. So they have that influence of that white parent in their life. And, you know, I, I did not. So it was just the influence from my black mom and my black grandmother. And, um, you know, it, it was interesting because I, I think I was, I thought everybody had a black mom. I don't know. I just didn't realize until you go to kindergarten that like, oh, I'm extremely different than everyone else. Okay. So um, it was Definitely, definitely shaped my experience in life because people would think my mom was my babysitter, or I was adopted. They were just plain old confused. Um, in fact, my one my very my when I won my very first local, I won Miss Maple City. So we've both been Miss Maple City, Yay. and um, good times. And um, I had never heard of the Voy board never heard of it. And uh, so one uh, girl <laughs> was like, oh my gosh, there's this really cool website you can go on
0: and get pageant tips. And I was like, oh my God, what is it? And for anyone who doesn't know what a board is, um, it's basically a message board where you can post anonymously. And this is before Instagram. This is before even Facebook was that active. So this was like the only place you could go to get any kind of information. But unfortunately, it was Typically, mostly negative, and not where you'd actually go for pageant tips. She's like, "It's the
1: void board." She gives me the void board. I had just won Miss Maple City, and all the comments were, "We can't figure out if this girl is white or black," and they were nasty. And it was a huge thread. Everybody was just so interested in knowing my background but yet no one had like the balls to come up to me and just say you have a unique complexion I would love to know more about your heritage like ask me that like what do you want me to do come to the microphone and say like hello yes a uh, junior from Youngstown State University I'm Heather Wells there's my mom in the front row she's black and I'm biracial thank you everyone number 23 like is that what you want me to do like so it was just a tough time for me because I just never thought I was any different than anybody else, but people will tell you that you're different because you know you look different or your experiences are different. And then, um, I started to just actually embrace that. And so I used to, you know, maybe try to hide that. Um, I was embarrassed or confused. I don't know, but towards the end, um, I said, no, this makes me so unique. I have a different perspective than everybody else. And uh, during my interview the year that I won, at one point I said um, something about, yeah, as a biracial woman, I feel this way about this. And the judges all went, whoa, like they like were mind blown. So um, it certainly made an impact and it made an impact on my year. I was able to go to individuals that um, go to places rather that maybe never had a Miss Ohio visit, but because of my background and growing up, I knew that they needed love too. So I was able to spend a lot of times in, you know, whether it was a black school or a black church or, um, a black girls group of encouraging them to get involved and and participate and earn that scholarship money and it'll make an impact in your life. So, um, for me, it, it was hugely important. And, um, looking at the organization and uh, there's some misses. I feel, I feel like we could have a more diverse pool of candidates um, very easily. And I think there is a lot of excitement around the organization. And it's just so many young women who are maybe different don't think that they could ever compete. And that's so not true. They absolutely could, and they would be wonderful. And they bring a different perspective And a different experience every time and i think that's so important too and you think about the family that miss ohio is um it'd be so much fun if you know it's easy to like people that are like you but it's exciting to learn about people that are different from you and wow it really broadens your horizons and it really opens up your mind and creates um just yeah just a knowledge that you didn't have before because you're exposed to something different so I think I'd love to see that, but, uh, growing up in pageantry, I think I confused a lot of people when my mom would come up on stage and they're like, wait, what? So, um, honestly really good, really good memories. Um, but I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, I was just so different from everybody else and their experiences in that regard, but, um, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely interesting in the beginning, but as I got more and more confident, and realized that, you know, differences don't, aren't bad. Differences are good. Um, mm-hmm. I just started to harness that in a different way and use it as an opportunity instead of something that holds me back. So I really found empowerment in that. But like I said, I, I have a very fair complexion. Um, most people probably don't know that I'm biracial until I tell them, especially now that I'm an adult, like, you know, when you're young, you're everywhere with your mom, you know, mm-hmm. now it's not like that. So um, I definitely see the differences, but because I grew up with, you know, just my mom and my grandma, I really saw firsthand what they went through and how difficult things were and how people would treat them differently. And so I have a, a heart for that. I, I know that happens. I know that's real. And um, I have to say, I feel like so many people have come forward, have come out in support of. Um, that initiative around um, just equity and inclusion Mm -hmm. and um, the conversation has not stopped. I mean, 2020 has been a crazy year, Um, you know, especially with the passing of George Floyd, that was so horrific. Um, So many, um, especially, I think women felt compelled, especially when he called out for his mom. I think all the moms in the world heard that and they were like, we are standing up for this once and for all. So I, I think there's been a lot of things that have come forward, have come out of this year as as positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look back on my years competing, and I realize I was like, wow, you know, that was that was different. And uh, I'm excited to see what positives can continue to come out of this. But yeah, I would just love to see more diverse pool of candidates mm-hmm. overall. Um, I don't know that we've ever even had, you know, gosh, I know we've had black and white Miss Ohio's and Miss America's, but until Nina, there hadn't been anyone else. So, um, we got work to do. I, yeah. I I'd love to see diverse on all levels and it's not just skin color and it's mm-hmm. not just, you know, socioeconomic statuses. There's so much more, um, you know, we're, this is America we're talking about. It shouldn't just be like the tall, skinny people. Like it's all of us. So <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Heather, so much um, for sharing your time with us and being so generous and sharing your perspective and having an open conversation with me for our listeners. Thanks so much.
1: Yes. Well, I am honored to be a guest on your podcast.
0: Well, thanks for taking the leap with me. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Life Concierge. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to Life Concierge. It really helps and you won't miss an episode when you subscribe. Catch all the latest from Life Concierge and follow me on Instagram at Sarah P. hyder and follow the hashtag Life Concierge Podcast. You can also send us a message or recommend topics and guests at lifeconciergepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.